Have you ever found yourself reaching for something with all of your might, only to see it slip further away? It's like trying to catch a delicate butterfly. I love butterflies, but the more desperately you grab for it, the more likely you're going to scare it off. But when you sit still, it just might come and land gently on your palm. No, this episode is not about chasing butterflies, although that would be quite enjoyable. But it's about a common experience that we all have. If you think about it, most of the time, we work really hard to achieve perfection in whatever it is that we're doing, right? Be it a a presentation, or maybe we're just trying to genuinely speak from a very heartfelt and sincere perspective during a conversation with someone that's close, or or maybe we just try our best to score the, the winning points in a casual pickup basketball game. And these can all be butterflies in their own way, right? Fluttering around in the gardens of the everyday. But each task, be the presentation or the conversations or what it ever may be, each task is like a butterfly. It's unique, and it requires a certain finesse to approach. But here's the catch. The more we try to control every aspect of whatever the situation is, the more it seems to flutter out of our reach. It's almost like in our pursuit of perfection or success, we unintentionally create this atmosphere of pressure, of expectation, which then just makes achieving our goal even more difficult. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that we should not try our best and aim high. It just means that sometimes the approach that we take matters just as much as the effort that we put into it. When we are rigidly focused on the perfect outcome, nailing that presentation without a hitch or ensuring every word in our conversation resonates with sincerity, or yes, making that basketball shot with flawless precision, we might lose sight of the process and the joy that actually comes with it. But inside, that internal critic that we all have, it plays such a big role, right? When we're under pressure, it's almost like there's a a switch that flips in our mind. Our, Our thoughts, which usually are supportive, they become our harshest critics. We're overwhelmed with doubts and just past failures. And our inner voice, which usually is cheering us on, reminds us of everything we've ever done wrong. Why? Why does this happen? Why does our mind turn against us in these important moments? What causes that shift from support criticism, from from confidence to just fear. I mean, is there a hidden wisdom in this? Is there a lesson to be learned about letting go? Well, today we're going to dive into the curious case of our minds under pressure. We're going to explore why our thoughts 
often turn critical. We need them the most. And how this understanding can help us navigate those, not just the big moments, but just everyday life as well. How does understanding this shift in our thoughts help us in our most difficult times? And can we actually learn to let go? And will it bring us closer to what we're hoping for? Well, let's dive in and see if we can catch some butterflies. I'm Chad Lawson, and let's calm it down in three, two, one. The year was 1984. Olympic speed skater Dan Jansen showed incredible promise by finishing fourth in the 500 meters. Do you guys remember this? Do you remember the the 84 Olympics? Because he set the stage for like just speed skating on ice. And that's really what drew my attention, even as as a young kid, to be honest. His name was at the top of every list in the world of sports. So by the time that the 1988 Olympics rolled around, he wasn't just a hopeful contender, but he was one of the favorites. I mean, he was destined to wear a medal, if not gold even. But fate had a different story in mind. You see, during the 500 meters in 1988, which he loved, in a moment that shocked the world, he fell. Now, this fall wasn't just a a physical stumble on the ice. It was actually a significant setback, both emotionally and professionally. And the weight of this disappointment, it was only just compounded when he fell again in the 1,000 meters race. So these back-to-back falls weren't just about losing races. This is actually a collapse of just years of preparation. I mean, think about all of the sweat and all of the hope and all the, the getting up at 4 a.m. to work out all of these things and just the expectations, how they just were left on the ice. But then fast forward to the 1992 Olympics, right? Redemption was in the air. And even though Jansen was still carrying the weight of the past Olympic races, he again was a favorite. Now, the hope that this was going to be his moment, right? The moment of triumph, a chance to rewrite his story. But sadly, the outcome was a harsh echo of the previous Olympics. He finished fourth in the 500 meters and fell to a distant 26th in the 1,000 meters. Oof. These were no longer just numbers on a scoreboard. They were about his whole journey, just being riddled with everything from public scrutiny to personal struggle and just the relentless pursuit of the Olympic dream that he had always been chasing after. Oh, the media just were, they were ruthless. They calling him labels like choker and just, it was just really horrible. But actually it was what was going on behind the scenes that really shaped his story. Just hours before his race in 1988, right before all of this began, he got a heartbreaking phone call that his sister had passed away. Now, this was a huge emotional blow for him, obviously. I mean, imagine having to compete 
and one of the biggest sporting events in the world while dealing with just such sad news. And Jansen was already under a lot of pressure because everyone expected him to win, right? But with the news of his sister's passing, he had even more to face. He had to focus on racing while his heart was heavy and just full of grief. And every moment on the ice was a struggle, not just against the other skaters, that goes without saying, but also against his own feelings of just loss. I mean, just think of the sadness being on the ice at this moment. His agent once said, he's been struggling mentally, and if we can get his head right, he'll be an Olympic champion. And if we can't, he'll go down as the greatest choker in sports history. Oof, gracious. He needed help, not chasing butterflies or even chasing Olympic medals. He needed help with trying to quiet the storm in his mind. Turning his inner critic of failures into his biggest cheerleader. You see, Dan Jansen's story is more than just about sports. It actually shows us that there's a big lesson about the stories that we tell ourselves in our heads. I mean, think about what he said every single time he got on the ice. Remember last time? Do you remember last time? Do you remember last time? His experience, though, with all of these races, they show us how his stories can really change what happens to us, for better or worse. And his struggle wasn't just about skating fast. He also had to deal with the thoughts of just everything emotionally that he was going through. But the interesting thing is, his story also shows us something really important. And it's the way that we think and feel about our challenges. Because it's just as important as the challenges themselves. Here, let me ask. This will bring it into perspective. Think about your own life for a moment. When you're under pressure, what kind of stories are you telling yourself in your head? Are these thoughts encouraging? Do they make you feel confident? Or do they actually make you doubt yourself and hold you back? Are you asking every time that you get on your proverbial ice, do you remember last time? Do you remember last time? I mean, if you really stop, if you stop to consider how changing these inner stories, how there's such a big impact, but changing them, how they might help you face challenges in a better way. Here, I'm going to show you how. I'm going to share with you three ways that I think just might bring out the best inner voice you can ever hope for. The first one is called the backwards law. I love this one. So our minds are like storytellers. Right? I mean, the stories we tell ourselves can either help us a lot or they can hold us back. And when he was racing, Dan Jansen used to think the worst about the thousand meter race. He absolutely hated it because he always favored the shorter 500 meter race and never felt like he was good enough or fit enough for the thousand meter race. Way too long. Just didn't want to deal with it. 
But he began working with a performance psychologist named Dr. Jim Lower, who worked with him leading up to the 1994 Olympics. Stick with me. I'm going somewhere. This is really cool. So Dr. Lower discovered that Jansen had a mental block against the thousand meter events, seeing himself solely as a sprinter. So, which is why he loved the 500 so much. But Dr. Lohr took a different approach, not just about physical training, but about reshaping the narrative in Jansen's mind. He encouraged Jansen to write, I love the 1000 at the top of his training log every day. Uh, I hate the 1000, he would say. But the doctor just kept saying, I know, just trust me. And so he wrote at the top of all of his training logs every day, I love the 1000. After some time and quite a few training logs, his story began to change as he started to see the race in a better light. And interestingly enough, he began to do better in the 1000 meter. So this idea of the backwards law was actually originated by author Alan Watts, whose his books are tremendous, by the way. But the backwards law means that sometimes the more you want something, the harder it is to get, right? Think about the butterflies from earlier. So Dr. Laura said they changed how they thought about things. Instead of just trying to win a gold medal or break a record, they focus on how great speed skating itself was for him. He even suggested thinking about how much happiness and good times and what was it the sport really meant to him emotionally. And he began to reframe the importance of the doing rather than the winning. And guess what? It worked. At the 1,000 meter race in 1994, again, the 1,000 meter race, the one that he hated, the one he wanted nothing to do with, at the 94 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, with his new way of thinking, he didn't just win his first Olympic gold medal. He also set a new world record time in the 1,000 meter race. <sighs> Seriously, did you hear that? Look what happened with his changing his approach. Because you see, the way that we think about things really can change how we do them. If we think we can't do something, it's harder to succeed, right? But if we, if we change our story and believe in ourselves, we actually do so much better. Here, let's try this. Think about something in your life where you're putting way too much pressure on yourself. Maybe it's a project at work, or maybe it's a, a sport, or a relationship, or maybe even a hobby even. But trying to focus less on the end result, which I know is hard, I get it. But focusing more on just enjoying what you're doing, what you're putting your hands to, the sport that you're playing, the relationship that you're in, those conversations around them, or even just your hobby. Focusing not on the end result, but just the participating in what it is that you're doing. See how this change makes you feel. So, for example, 
there are a lot of those people that are just like, I just want to make a lot of money. Well, let's, let's break that down, right? Why? Why do you want to make a lot of money? Well, I want to be able to provide for my family. Okay, well, that's very fair. That's, that's wonderful. And so what steps are you taking for that provision to care for your family? Well, I'm working at such and such. Do you enjoy what you do? I love what I do. So at the end of the day, changing your perspective of you loving what you do, not for the end result to make a bunch of money, but loving what you do, really enjoying the craft and the expertise and the wisdom that you bring to what you do vocationally in order to provide for your family. Focusing less on the end result and more and just enjoying the process. So when you begin to understand these ideas, you then start to change your own story. Instead of letting stress and negative thoughts control you, you begin to think more positively and give yourself a better chance to succeed, even if speed skating on frozen water is not your thing. You're not chasing butterflies. You're sitting there staring at its beauty in the moment that you are just simply enjoying watching it as it comes to sit in your open palm. Change your story by changing your perspective. And as we embrace this idea of changing our perspectives and finding joy in the process, it's clear that learning and growth are parts of these journeys that we have. Speaking of which, I have something that aligns perfectly with this theme of learning and self-improvement. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but felt it was just too hard or just didn't have enough time? Well, I have something that could change your mind. It's Babbel, the language learning app that's scientifically proven to get you speaking a language in just three weeks. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, then Babbel is the perfect place to help you achieve this goal in 2024. With Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks with just 10-minute lessons. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's lessons are not just effective, but they're also fun and engaging. And the best part? You don't need to pay for expensive tutors or waste hours on apps that don't focus on real-world conversations. As someone who loves to explore new cultures and languages, that is me, I found Babbel incredibly helpful. It is so easy to learn real-life conversation skills, like ordering food or asking for directions or just chatting with locals while on vacation without having to constantly check language apps. You guys know I travel a lot, and Babbel is right there with me. Babbel's speech recognition technology is like having a personal language coach helping you improve your pronunciation, your accent. I use it myself. It's amazing how it fine-tunes your speaking skills. It's like someone's listening to you, but they're not judging you. It's actually really cool. 
Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babel is better. One study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester of college language courses and a heck of a lot cheaper. So if you want to join the millions of Babel language learners, I have a special offer. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners. Just go to babbel.com slash calm, C-A-L-M. That's 55% off at babbel.com slash calm, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash C-A-L-M. Remember, rules and restrictions, uh, they just might apply. Now, with Babbel, you're not just learning a language. You're opening doors to new experiences and cultures. So why wait? Start your language journey today. All right, so let's bring our focus back to our journey of self-growth. And moving on from the idea of changing our narratives, I want to explore another crucial aspect of our inner dialogue. And that is, number two, changing the story. The stories that we create in our minds they obviously play a really important role in shaping our feelings and the way that we act. Going back to Dan Jansen, his experience is a great example of this. I mean, initially, he loathed the 1,000-meter race. He just hated it, right? It was a source of stress and negativity for him. But yet when he changed his internal narrative about the race, his feelings transformed. He began the view of the race with love and appreciation and actually got to the point, I'm not going to quote it but verbatim, but to where he really enjoyed doing it, which then ultimately led to his success. Now, this change in narrative, it wasn't just a, a superficial shift in his thought. It was a shift in how he connected emotionally and mentally with the race. He found a reasoning to connect with it. And by changing his story from one of fear to one of love, he changed his entire approach and mindset towards the race. This shift, it shows us the amazing influence that our internal narratives have on our lives. I mean, think about if we applied this on every element of our life, everything from work to relationships to just every element. But finding that approach, that mindset, and how it changes everything. So I want us to try to apply this lesson in our lives today, okay? I want you to think about a story that you've been telling yourself that may be limiting you. I have a few of my own, trust me, I do. And this is something I'm working on. But I want you to find a story that you keep telling yourself that is limiting you. Could be a belief in your abilities, your self-worth, or your potential. Maybe it's um, a narrative like, I'm not good enough, or, you know, I just I can't handle this. Because these, these stories, they hold immense power over us. Sometimes more than we even realize. So I'm going to give you some suggestions, right? So instead of saying, I'm not good enough, rewrite your story to say, you know, every step I take is a step towards growth 
strength. Because if you think of the sentence, I'm not good enough, period, it ends there. There is no next step. But if you change the I'm not good enough to, you know what? Every step, you're already initiating movement. You are already initiating the idea that you're moving forward, even if it's a very small one at a time. But every step I take is a step towards my own growth, my own strength. And then you have that, you know, I can't handle this, right? Change I can't handle this to every challenge. It's a chance to find out how strong and how creative I can be. Instead of saying, I can't handle this, I can't do this, reframe that to every challenge is a chance for me to find out how strong and how creative I can be. Or just boil it down to say, you know what? I'm strong or I'm creative. And this opportunity is going to show me how strong I am. This opportunity is going to show me how creative I can be because I'm going to find a loophole. I'm going to find a back door. Turn I can't handle this into I can't wait to show you how creative I can be. And some of those are I always fail, right? We say we sometimes say that. And instead of saying I always fail, every setback is a setup. <laughs> what? That sounds strange. Well, think about it. Every setback, every setback is a setup for a comeback. I'm going to say that again. Every setback is a setup for a comeback. Ah, oh, I love that one. Instead of saying, I always fell. Think about Dan Jansen. Every time he fell on the ice, right? Every single time he got out there and he said, I always fell. I always fell. I always fell. Instead of him coming out and saying, this time, it's a comeback. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if that thing that we constantly felt like we were failing at, instead of saying, I fail, we say, this is my comeback. This is my comeback. That's it. Nothing else, period. Saying nothing further. I'm going to show you, this is my comeback. Oof, I have chills right now. I don't know if you do. And then finally, the five words, I'm too weak for this. Instead of saying, I'm too weak for this, try, I'm in the process of finding my hidden strengths. Or just simply, I'm going to find my hidden strengths. Instead of, I'm too weak, I'm going to find my hidden strengths. Something I would like to suggest, I mean, even if an Olympic gold medalist did it, uh, well, it's a pretty good indicator. We should try it too. But... Write these down. Write them down somewhere, particularly if it's near a difficult place. Maybe it's uh, your desk where you always feel insecure or lack confidence. Or maybe it's in the bathroom mirror in the morning where you start your day. Or maybe it's um, somewhere in your car when you're driving home and you just want to reframe how you think stepping into that door after a really long day. You really want to connect with the people in your life and so redefining how you're going to walk inside that house after a really long, sometimes crummy day. But it's important to repeat 
these new stories to yourself, especially when you're in doubt or when you're facing challenges. Because when you do this, you're not just changing the words in your head. You get that, right? You're not just changing words in your head. You're changing the way that you feel, which then changes the way you act. And then over time, this new narrative becomes your reality, just as it did for Dan Chanson. And this process is about creating a mindset that supports your growth, your success, and basically helping you overcome those obstacles so that we can catch those butterflies. And then thirdly, I want you to listen to the voice in your head. <laughs> yes, you heard me say that right. Listen to the voice in your head. The way that we talk to ourselves inside our heads, it really matters. It's not just about the thoughts we have, but how we say them to ourselves. If we're always thinking negative or mean things about ourselves, it makes us feel terrible, right? I mean, start noticing what you say to yourself in your mind. Have you ever thought about this? If you find yourself being hard on yourself, like thinking, I can't do this, or I always mess up, Stop. Stop for a moment. And then change those thoughts to something nicer and more understanding. So for instance, I can't do this. And tell yourself, you know what, this is hard, but I can take it step by step. Right? As I mentioned earlier, you know, things like I always make mistakes. Change it to it's okay to mess up. I'm gonna learn something from this. If I don't mess up, I'm not trying really hard, right? It's like being as kind and understanding to yourself as you would to a friend. I mean, I would never talk to my 13-year-old or my 10-year-old the way that I often talk to myself. Why is that? Because, I mean, it's interesting that we often speak to ourselves in ways that we would never speak to someone else, right? I mean, we might forgive a friend or reassure a child for a mistake, right? Knowing that it's just a natural part of learning and growing. But when it comes down to our own errors or our own challenges, uh, we're a little bit less forgiving, right? I mean, this harsh self-criticism, it can stem from a desire for perfection or fear of not living up to our own or anyone else's expectations. But imagine the change if we treated ourselves with the same kindness and the same understanding that we give to a kid. I mean, what if we reassured ourselves just as we would comfort a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old and recognizing that our efforts and that our recognizing our, our progress, not just our shortcomings. I'm going to say that again. What if we told ourselves just as we would comfort a 13-year-old or a 10-year-old what if we recognize our efforts and progress, not just our shortcomings, right? This shift in self-talk, it is transformative. And changing the way that you talk to yourself in your mind can make you feel better and deal with really difficult situations a lot easier. Because when we start treating ourselves in the same empathy and encouragement, that we would offer to a young person. We not only improve our mental and emotional well-being, 
but we also start to become better equipped to handle the additional difficulties that we're going to face because that's just a part of life. So I'm going to recap these three action steps, these three points, if you will. The first one being the backwards law, right? Where you're not focusing on the end result. You're focusing on the process. Number two, change the story, change your life, which is basically just changing the story that we tell ourselves in our mind. Number three, listen to the voice in your head. Remember, the way that we talk to ourselves in our head, it really matters. And not only how you talk to yourself, but how you listen to the voice in your head. So as we come to the close, I want to go back to the butterfly really quick. The one from the the beginning. If you remember, trying to catch a butterfly gently, it's a lot like dealing with your own challenges. Whether it's making a presentation absolutely perfect or having that really deep talk with someone or just trying to win a game, these are like those butterflies, right? Each one is special. Each one needs a a careful, calm approach. But now I want you to remember the butterflies. And I want you to remember Dan Jansen's story and how we've learned that the way that we think and talk to ourselves, how it really matters, how it can either lift us up or it can just completely rip us apart, right? And changing this inner dialogue from being hard on ourselves to being kind, being supportive. When we do this, we can face challenges in a much better way. Because it's important to be nice to ourselves, especially when things go tough, because guess what? You're going to. But I want you to think about it like this. Be as kind to yourself as you would be to your best friend or your young child. I'm going to say that again. Be as kind to yourself as you would be to your best friend or to a young child. So let me leave you with this question. How can changing the way you talk to yourself make a difference? How can being kinder to yourself help you with your own butterflies? I hope you remember, I hope that you remember that sometimes taking it easy on yourself, being patient with yourself, and just sitting there and just enjoying the beauty will sometimes bring the butterfly right to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for living. And keep being kind to yourself and others as we go through our days. As I like to always say at the end of these, Be kind to your mind. And I hope you'll join me again next time as we calm it down. To find more episodes of Calm It Down, see where I may be appearing in your area, or to simply want to know where to send me some chocolate chip cookies, visit calmitdownpodcast.com. This podcast was written and produced by yours truly. Chad Lawson, composer, 
pianist, and nationally recognized Sweet Tooth. The views, expressions, and techniques in this episode are of my personal opinion and not intended, nor should they, serve as a substitute for medical advice or diagnosis rendered to you by your individual doctor or other healthcare provider. Only a licensed physician should evaluate your situation, provide a diagnosis, or render other medical advice to you. And you should only act upon the advice of this physician. Now, I'm an extreme empath by nature, but my profession is that of a composer and pianist, not a licensed therapist or a physician. I hear from thousands of listeners how my music has helped them through various stages of emotional needs, and I simply want to offer this in future podcast episodes to aid those needs. So to find a list of licensed professionals in your area, please visit CometDownPodcast.com. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review, or better yet, share it with a friend. While it takes less than 60 seconds to do, its impact will last for years to come, as every little bit helps in growing the awareness and the importance of mental and emotional health. Thank you for listening. Thank you for living. And until next time, be kind to your mind and join me again as we calm it down. <laughs>